divers diagnosed as having cerebral DCS have a degree of psychosis manifesting itself mainly by paranoid behavior. Did you check under the bed? <laughs> what was that? Who, who's, <laughs> there? who's there? I know you're watching me. I know you watch. I know the government's listening to us right now. <laughs> There's cameras everywhere. I know it. Whenever you say the word paranoid, I may immediately go to, yeah, just because you're paranoid doesn't mean they're not out to get you. <laughs> Pupra, pupurple? Pew? Purple. Purple. The Great Dive Podcast is hosted by your buddies, James and Brando. Pooperal. Pooperial. So what does this have to do with the cockroach? That's my question. So yeah, hey, listen everybody. Welcome back to the Great Dive Podcast. Your craziest show for craziest scuba divers <laughs> with the craziest stories and the craziest fun. Like all of you out there who have been attending our crazy Zoom post pandemic madness 2020 bracket challenge but still mid-pandemic yeah. madness yeah and if you're not attending you should be attending you're missing uh, a great time with some great folks do you know any crazy scuba divers <clears throat> i know a few i'm talking to one I'm talking to one right now you don't, <laughs> you don't know me. You don't know how crazy I can be. I know you're probably thinking the same thing, but uh, no, we know crazy in a good way. I know some crazy scuba divers in a good way. I I know of crazy scuba divers doing nutso stuff. Nutso stuff in the water. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, would you say that they're crazy because they're scuba divers? They're scuba mm. divers. Because they're crazy? I guess there's a little bit of both, right? I mean, because a lot of people you talk to are like, you scuba dive? Are you That's crazy? crazy, yeah. So is it the scuba that made them crazy? Or the craziness that got them into scuba? Uh, good good question. I think we've, we've talked about this in private before. I don't know. One feeds the other if they're both kind of symbiotic. Uh, I'm not entirely sure. I haven't really put a lot of thought in it either so well let, what do you let, think? Me, yeah. let me give you a let me give you a for example do it this is a story from undercurrents book there's a cockroach in my regulator oh remember yeah. that book yeah. that uh, yes. we did that that story about to pee or not to pee back right when we, when, uh, <clears throat> we first got our first sponsor pfog pfog yes <laughs> <laughs> that same book there's a story about Diving can make you crazy. It's a, it's a short little excerpt about a 31-year-old male walked into a Louisiana hospital emergency room agitated with delusions, paranoia, 
and complex visual hallucinations. Sounds like a uh, me after a Zoom party. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yes. Yeah. One in the morning. In the la- <laughs> last couple ones for sure. Tests found some brain abnormalities, but physicians couldn't pinpoint the cause. He reported that two days previously, while scuba diving, he had made a breath-holding ascent from 45 up to 15 feet. So about a 30-foot ascent. A 30 still foot underwater, ascent. right. Yeah, yeah. He didn't break the surface. Yep, yep. Mm-hmm. So the doctors consulted Louisiana State University hyperbaric medicine specialists who recommended recompression treatments. That resolved his psychosis. So he had a little, like, well, there was obviously a gas bubble blocking blood to the brain, right? Is that it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or uh, at least preventing proper proper neurons to fire or causing causing them to fire too much. One of the two, I would imagine. Yeah, it could have been in the nerve, the nerve t- tissue of the brain, and we should. I mean, consult, that's another. Uh, yeah, go we ahead. should consult our old friend Nina, the Nina, neurologist. Yes. So I, I guess any brain injury from breath holding ascents, fast ascents, uh, you know, gas bubble in the brain, there's a pretty good chance you're going to be a little goofy afterwards. I, yeah, you don't really know what part of the brain it's going to affect, right? Yeah, right. Yeah, don't I, know I remember. Blocked. I remember this husband and wife couple years and years and years ago, like twenty plus years ago. Uh, he was a commercial diver, and uh, she would say that he would just his leg would just start twitching uncontrollably mm-hmm. in bed in the middle of the night as a like just a routine. My wife has that. That's. <laughs> That's uh, there's a name for it. Her whole family's got it. That restless leg syndrome. Yes, yeah. She's like yeah, running she, a marathon, but it's just yeah, one leg. Yeah, hers was his was more like uh, after after coming home from a job kind of thing. Yeah. Well. Yeah, it's annoying. I will say that it's annoying when you're getting you know some person in bed next to you is is running a marathon, <laughs> as I tell her, I'm like. Glad you're getting your exercise, but let's let's do it during waking hours. There. <laughs> it's low impact, Brandon. It is low impact when you're lying on your side. <laughs> yeah, but her whole it's, family. Uh, it's has actually that, yeah. it's better for your joints if you do your running right. while you're sleeping in bed. Right when you don't actually have your feet on the ground. <laughs> yeah, it's better. It's not better for my sleep, though. I'll tell you that much. She never wakes up from it. Which is why you wake up with a little bit of the sleep deprivation psychosis. Right. That's what you're getting most of the time. Most people don't understand when they talk to me. I'm, a, I'm on a chronic two-hour-a-night plan of sleep. That's takes its toll after years. How long? 25 years now? 28 years? So this psychosis, this sleep deprivation psychosis, is that's what... Is that's what that I'm what has on. kept you into diving all these years? <laughs> uh, yeah, probably. I don't know. <laughs> all these years, I, uh, you know, I, I, I don't think for me it's a it's a crazy thing. I just I I don't do anything really crazy. I don't think. No, I, I think I, you're. I think you like me is as crazy as we could be topside. I think you and I are at our most 
mellow and clear-headed and focused mm-hmm. and non-crazy when we're below the surface. Right. I would like agree. That, that's, I where would agree. Yeah. that's where I'm really dialed in, straight-laced, and really, uh, you know, on the clock. I'd agree. I'd agree. That's exactly it. I, I don't, yeah, I'm not, I'm not that uh, crazy diver out there. That doesn't mean some of the things, the way the things we dive, people don't look at it and go, that's, you know, the cave diving or penetrating wrecks or, you know, deep. People think that's crazy, but it's not. I mean, really, when you think about how we do it and, and the way we approach it, it's not crazy. At well, all. yeah, there's, there's certainly a crazy way to do a dive to 180, 200 feet. Right. And there's a very calculated way to do a dive like that. Right. Exactly. Yeah. It's like anything else. Even drive. I mean, you, you could say, say driving a car is crazy, especially when you look at stats. If you approach it safely, it's not. It's a it's an everyday event. But uh, what is uh, I want to hear more of the cockroach story. Where, where do we leave it? We left it with in chapter three of there's a cockroach in my regulator. It's titled, You Have to Be Crazy to Be a Diver. There's a bunch of little stories in here about craziness, psychiatric illness, and uh, (laughs) how it's directly linked to having a certification card. I like it. Now, I want to hear this one. This is good. As a diver, you know that lots of people think you're nuts. After all... Who would go down there with all those sharks and scary things? Well, we divers do just that, and we know we're not crazy. But are we? (laughs) Or at least some of us. I guess you got to define crazy, too, because, I mean, this gets to the question of why do you dive? Yeah, yeah. Are are you a thrill-seeking lunatic? Right, I've met those. <laughs> I've, yeah, I've, I've known a couple of those over the years as well. So they have to take diving, and they have to actually make it more dangerous. Correct. Right, yes. to and get then, that and, charge. And then there's those people that get out of diving because they're like, well, this is actually pretty. It's too safe. It's too <laughs> this, is too, yeah. this is pretty safe and well-regulated. Right. I'm not as quite on the edge as I thought I would be. Right, the things you have to do to be like on the edge in scuba diving, it's a lot of work. It really is a lot of work, and you actually have to do it kind of calculated. So, you know, you could just, you know, grab a Steel 72 and strap it on your back and and jump down to 200 feet uh, with air. You could do that, and that's, you know, yeah, that's edgy. It's stupid. I mean, it's purposefully stupid. And there's a good chance, you know, you're not going to come back from it. But Yeah, and I would say that what we know today in 2020, you could very safely call that action nuts. Nuts, yeah. It's nuts. It's actually, yeah, semi-suicidal kind of thing. Like, Right, and, th- and there's people that aren't in the know at all that would look at some of the exploration that goes on in caves where they're thousands of feet back and look at that and look at that as being nuts. There, there is of course a uh, risk with it, but 
the risks are extremely mitigated by procedure, technique, equipment uh, that they can trust. Yeah, and you could you could take somebody you know for their first time down to Florida who just goes into one of the springs and enters on beyond their training and ability only you know 100 200 feet that could very well be a nuts move right exactly exactly so doing it without training is the crazy part doing it without knowledge of what you're doing is the crazy part so so they so they ask here could diving related conditions actually drive you mad that's a question we've been asking for some time in this 1992 article by Dr. Chris Akat with the Hyperbaric Medicine Unit, Royal Adelaide Hospital in Adelaide, South Australia. Hey, mate. About Aussie divers states the case, mate. Divers on the barbie. That ain't a knife. <laughs> Does diving drive you crazy? The psychotic aspects of DCS. I thought this was a really fun, cool concept. It is. It is uh it is something I've I've thought about actually. It's like uh long term diving over decades. You know, they they have said it uh especially like commercial divers would have bone issues, especially in the hips from long you know, long term chronic DCS for the for the most part, uh, sure. That, like that really that really really slow tissue, right? Is right, and, and, and especially when you're doing a really long like saturation exposure, right? Completely different ball game than a 30 minute dive to 200. Right, feet. but my my contention was also that recreational divers or even technical divers, technical divers not as much as recreational because. I mean, we purposely do a nice slow ascent. I mean, even on our recreational dives. Whereas I see a lot of technical dives just bop up, or I'm sorry, I see a lot of recreational divers just bop up. You know, they're going from 100 feet up. They, they'll do that old stop at 15 feet. But from 100 feet to, to 15 feet is, you know, 70 feet a minute or whatever. They're just, see you later. Meet you at right, fifteen right. feet, and they'll catch. I'll catch all the bubbles there, and um, then they go from fifteen feet to the surface after the three minutes. Like, see you later. So, oh yeah, like I, I couldn't tell you how many times I've seen recreational divers in the water uh, that they do their three minute stop, they give the thumbs up <laughs> and hit the inflator button exactly. on the VCD. Like, yeah, <laughs> yes. it's missile time. You know, fifteen feet to the surface, and literally. Less than 10 seconds. Yeah, less than a second, really. Two seconds. They're like, (laughs) they just pop up. Yeah. And that's what I mean is, so you see these people do this all the time. And while they're not getting, you know, clinically bent, they are, I believe, in my mind, I think they're subclinically, they're collecting bubbles. I mean, they're over the long term. Could it be up in their, you know, brain tissue? Yeah, nervous. Yeah, well, you certainly, if you've got blood flowing there, yeah. you certainly have that potential, no doubt about it. And like you said, it's might maybe subclinical. It may be just enough, like uh, blood vessel trauma, that it it also damages 
nerve receptor or or mm-hmm. or something that right now might not be a, an effect, but a decade, two decades, three decades of those little traumatic injuries right. to the to the brain and blood vessels around the brain. What long term effect is that going to have? Have yeah, gonna have have <laughs> have. have, have t- t- Exactly. So, yeah, it, it is something that's crossed my mind, this, the, the whole idea of it. And I think just because I've thought of it, that's one of the reasons, even on a recreational dive, I, I do a – and you. I mean, we both do a, probably what would be considered an extremely conservative profile. Yeah, yeah. I, why not? Exactly. You got the gas. You got the time. You, you know, there's no reason well, to fly out of the water. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there's so many people, they, they go down to, you know, Cozumel or Cayman or even in the Great Lakes where you're, you know, bottom bound because you're on a shipwreck that's in however many feet of water, mm-hmm. you know, and, and the whole wreck's there. And for them, you know, the, the dive on the bottom's over, like, all right, let's get the hell out of the water yeah. now. Let's do and our fastest just, deco we can. The, yeah. Or, the, you know, our fastest ascent. Yeah, and they use they use the dive computer mm-hmm. to get out of the water clean and safe, and I get that. Uh, but they're using it just that mathematical model, which isn't custom really designed for them as a human being. Rather than getting out of the water as cleanly as possible, mm-hmm. and learning your body exactly. I, I think those are the two differenti or uh, those are the two differences of. of thought and decompression that you and i have with a lot of other people that hey i got this good computer so i can get the hell out of the water quickly (laughs) exactly yeah whereas i don't know we're not always the last people in the water but i mean we're usually the first in last out kind of thing but uh i don't know i i I just watch people doing doing their ascents versus the way we, we do ours and uh admittedly we we don't use the computer uh in the way that they're using the computer, I might I look at things. I look at the the profile before I hit the water, or I know the profile because it's a constant dive. But anyway, yeah, yeah. During the past ten years, our understanding of decompression sickness and its treatment has been gradually changing. And keep in mind, this is during the last ten years, and this is written in 1992. So this I, is yes through the 80s into the early 90s. And it's still changing, so folks should know that. Yeah, and it changed from the 90s into the 2000s, the mm-hmm. 2000s into the 10s, and is is changed the 10s into the 20s. Yeah. It's a, I, it's a constantly evolving game. Yeah, it was. It used to be go up to your next stop. Doing deco dives used to be go to your next stop as fast as possible. And That's this how is, commercial diving was. Yeah, and this is definitely the days of that, right? Early 90s, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, get shallow. Do your decompression in 15 feet. Right. But, uh, you know, now we're a 10 foot per minute kind of on a recreational, you know, that's our baseline from 30 feet up on a 100 foot dive is 10 feet per minute from 30 feet up and, you know, 30 feet per minute from 100, that kind of thing. So some publications have alluded to the quote unquote punch drunk diver. And the neuropsychological changes occurring with diving and DCS. Punch drunk. 
punch we drunk. should change that to like frog kick drunk or <laughs> or what would be <laughs> well i think what they're referring to there is that yeah. boxer that's that's just you know beaten into oblivion and right. you know stumbling around in a daze He's constantly right because of all those uh brain hits all that brain trauma right right they're comparing like that neurological not dcs cerebral hit that sends you to the chamber but that mild trauma over long-term exposure having a similar effect right if there are effects on neuropsychological functioning due to exposure over time to diving risks they are probably not large at least in the short term and probably only affect a few individuals however there are numerous anecdotal reports particularly those associated with commercial abalone divers, which describe acute psychiatric changes. I've heard this before, yes. So doing a lot of diving, spending a lot of time underwater, bopping back and forth, up and down. And, uh, yeah, it, it adds up over time, chronically. Yeah, chronic's the key, and especially right. if it's uh, a lot of bouncing. Exactly, and that's abalone diving, yeah, and fat so. and fast bouncing to boot. You can um, you could probably easily get away with it in the short term. Yeah, it's the long term where your the science and your is going to catch up with your body, right? Yeah, it just add, it keeps adding up and adding up, and finally, it's you know, it's like the don't spill the beans game kind of thing. You you put that one extra bean in there and. There it goes, and you, you, now you're you're kind of a nut job. <laughs> <laughs> when I one said that, bean. I was like, well, "Is that what's going on with me?" <laughs> one bean, one, one bean, the nut job. <laughs> one bean, you become the nut job. You were slowly going there, but it was you know, where do you cross that line, and it everything just goes, and now you're you are not fully in you know in control of your mental. F- faculties psychological mental faculties so yeah i have talked with some of the abalone shellers who remain in the boat while the diver is below they say they could differentiate the depth of the dive by the mood and personality change seen in the abalone diver upon surfacing oh wow Hmm. isn't that wild that is wild so there's uh i guess that's that's uh i don't know empirical anecdotal evidence <laughs> i mean you're it's it's well kind that's of what subjective yeah, that's what but... yeah i mean like when you read that at first you go yeah come on come on mm-hmm. but but then he says these stories were so consistent that one would have to assume that they're true yeah i mean you, you got to put some stock in it. it if everybody's saying it just because you can't get a bunch of scientists in there to conduct this experiment it would be impossible. That doesn't mean it's not true. <laughs> yeah, like you come up from the you come up from a dive like stumbling and clumsy and can't get your kid off. <laughs> Confused. You know, saying the, the same dive, thing man. over and over again. Brando, you hit two twenty again, didn't you? <laughs> you know me. Two twenty is to what? I went to potato. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to potato. <laughs> he says, 
acute confusional states were seen with deeper dives, while aggressive, abusive behavior was seen with longer, shallower dives. Hmm. Interesting. And they got to the point where they could guess pretty accurately the depth that the diver was at based off of how they were acting when they got back on the boat. That, that's oh, wow. fascinating to me. Yeah. Like, yeah. I need to figure out a way that I can just become part of a long-term <laughs> study like that. And, like, just, just making notes of how everybody was acting and trying to see if I could guess the depth that they went to on a dive. That's, right. That's right. so there, cool. I was going to say, there's so much going into that, though, that, like I say, to conduct it as an, a scientific experiment, you'd have to contro- control their lives prior to the dive. You'd have to control their outside lives that affect their mood. You know, Maybe they're pissed off because now i got to go back home and it's not good there or something to that effect. Are you saying that uh, if these divers had attended the Great Dive Podcast <laughs> pandemic then this 2020 Zoom after party the night before the dive, it could have an effect on how they actually came out of the water post-dive I, the next day? That's exactly what I'm saying. You read my mind. <laughs> well, let's look at recognizing some scientifically factual data symptoms. Okay. There is often considerable delay between the onset of the symptoms of DCS and the actual time the diver presents himself for treatment. This delay is frequently attributed to, number one, the ignorance of the meaning of the symptoms. Right. right? You don't know what you don't know. Yeah, yeah. Um, you, everybody learns, you know, the signs and symptoms of DCS in their open water class, but being on the back of a boat just after exiting the water and and being able to relate this right. symptom and, and being able to come to terms with it. Something a whole different. other world, right? But you know what's not really touched on in especially in your basic open water is a, a psychological change. I mean nobody really touches on that saying this could be a you know sign slash symptom. Because you can see it and you can be experiencing it. Uh, a psychological, a radical psychological change in the diver. You right, know? yeah. like, uh, And it's, you know, something like the diver being normal pre-dive, and then po- but post-dive with an attitude like they, you know, somebody just dropped a tank on their toe. Yeah. Right? And they got that little gritty <laughs> fire, fire yeah. to them. Something that you you might not really notice unless you're thinking about something just like this. Right. And is it attributable to possibly DCS, or is he pissed off about something? You know. Yeah, right. Um, another one is an overindulgence in alcohol. Oh, really? I, I think they're grasping there. I think that's, <laughs> just, that's just the diving community. I don't know. I don't know. If you've been, <laughs> been in it for a while, you, you'll... You go to any diving vacation, diving town. Most everybody goes out after yeah, the dive. Goes you know? to the, goes to the pub after uh, after yeah. the after the dives. Whether uh, now maybe they're saying an overindulgence. Again, like gonna, gonna again, <laughs> You've come to the Zoom meetings. <laughs> yeah, I think I, I think they call that the advanced diver. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> 
the advanced diver. <laughs> Symptoms are blamed on a previous injury. And again, that goes yeah. uh, right to, the, to ignorance of the symptoms, right? Right. Oh, like, uh, no, I, you know, I, this is an old football. Yeah, old this football is an old football shoulder. injury. Yeah. You know? uh, that's so that's. Yeah. You know, that's, I mean, uh, if it's always that's my there old too. soccer knee. Yeah, exactly. If it's always there, that's a hard one to, you know, to discern whether it's from the dive or I've, I'm always sore on that shoulder slept on it wrong that morning whatever but you got to take note of that stuff before you hit the water i guess those are tough ones i mean they're i know i've come up but i've not been like i was sore when i went in i'm sore when i come up is it dcs doubtful i mean that's well yeah and uh so the next one is denial right so the doubt, the doubtful part being the dive was well within the limits of the table, so the diver could not possibly be bent. Well, yeah, that's not necessarily true, but right, and that's yeah, what we yeah. we learned right into the '90s, into the 2000s, 2010s, right. and 20s that no, the, there is a way that mathematically via that table or that computer, uh, you could be clear, but, but. you could still be bent. Mm-hmm. Stuff yeah, that we know now, fought. yeah. Stuff that we know more about today than we did back in the seventies and eighties and into the nineties. Right. Yeah. You you can follow the rules and still get hit. So. And then the last one uh, is guilt. DCS is regarded in some circles as shameful as a sexually transmitted disease. You got DCS. <laughs> Hey, I heard so got DCS. Who the hell's he been diving with? Exactly. I'll never dive with him again. Oh, you got a little. Oh, you got you got you got, you got the DCS. You must have been diving with Jerry. Exactly. It was one time, man. It was one time. <laughs> time. I get it. I was. Wow. I needed a buddy. I needed a buddy. Mm-hmm. You know he how it is. He said he was experienced. <laughs> he said he was checked out. <laughs> Failure to recognize that there is something wrong may, in fact, be a manifestation of the disease. Unrealistic, or in some instances, paranoid reaction to the symptoms may be part of the disease itself. This is sort of a catch-22. To recognize that one has DCS... One must recognize the symptoms. But a symptom of DCS is that one does not recognize that one has been bent. Now, hold that. Hold the phones here. <laughs> to, you, you might have DCS if you deny that you have DCS. This is like, this is a super catch-22. You can't get out of this one. You're like, I don't have DCS. You must. You must because you're denying it. It's like, how can you win on this one? Wait a minute. <laughs> wait, wait. Knowing that you have DCS means you that probably don't you, have you it. You don't know <laughs> that, that you probably don't have DCS. <laughs> well, th- that's kind of true. Like, the, have uh, have you ever had that feeling though, where like you come out of a dive and you're hypercritical, and you're like, wait a minute. Well, this am I am I bent? <laughs> and then you go through it all to, to it's you kind of need to have that clarity of there is a possibility that I could be bent right now to be able to go through 
and know whether or not you should You're take back. action. Well, I'm yet reminded. That, yet yeah. that clarity that there's no way you of all people could be bent is probably a good well, sign that you are in fact bent. This is this is reminding me of the what about Bob where Bill Murray as Bob is like he fakes Tourette's. He's like you know just starts cussing out of the blue, shit face blah 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 you know, and and they're like why are you doing that? He goes, well I fake it. So that I know that I'm faking it, and that tells me I don't have it. So, that I mean, this is what they're saying: is if uh, you go diving and you fake like you're, <laughs> you have DCS, you, you 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 know that you're faking it, so you don't have it. That's brilliant. But if you don't know it, yeah, I don't. I, this is uh, this I, is <laughs> quite a dilemma here. I'm I'm ascending fast and skipping my my deco. <laughs> so. So that so I know I could be bent if I, I do feel bent. like it. I did violate, a, you know, a, a common procedure, and I know I should go it. to the chamber. Exactly. I think I might be getting bent, so I'm going to purposely bend myself so that I know that I'm bent. Although you might deny it. But if I, but it, listen, if I <laughs> did everything right on the ascent and still felt a little weird, I wouldn't know. Exactly. So this way, I'm going to violate it all so that if I do it, I definitely know that I'm bent and I should be going to the hospital. Oh, brother. I'm confused now. <laughs> so do I have it or don't I have it? <laughs> well, let's look at the post-DCS blues and DCS psychosis. The post-DCS blues. I think uh, are they reaching for the you know postpartum depression is, I think, where they're going, but... I don't know, is this claimable in a court of law? That's my question. So like if I if I went on a murdering rampage, could I say <laughs> I was clinically mad or because I was bent? I was I had chronic decompression sickness. All I need is a is a ride in the chamber and uh, all is forgiven. <laughs> da 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 I went down on a dive, came up too fast. (laughs) Said I went down on a dive, baby, came up too fast. Now I'm just waiting for my service interval to pass. (laughs) I got the DCS blues. DCS blues, baby. Nice. Oh, yeah. Not bad, not bad for a, uh, you know, on the fly, spur of the moment, little song. Hey, we're gonna listen, have to hone that one. When when you uh, when you let the blues come through you, those DCS. The blues. songs they write themselves. They do the blues. The blues is in my blood, along with some bubbles, along with some nitrogen bubbles. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Blues is in my blood, <laughs> along with some bubbles, <laughs> nitrogen bubbles. <laughs> That's you should call. You should call that. That should be the title of this one, maybe. Those DCS the blue, blues. The DCS blues. I like it. I have observed that most post-treatment patients go through a depressive phase. And that divers diagnosed as having cerebral DCS have a degree of psychosis, manifesting itself mainly 
by paranoid behavior. The following case histories will demonstrate this. Okay, I got to hear this. I mean, are you paranoid if you're worried about getting DCS? <laughs> because I guess, are you more apt to get bent? I thought you were. I, I, I don't want to talk out my ass, but I thought if you get bent, you're more apt to get bent again. That was definitely the claim for a very long time. Right. And, yeah, so are you more susceptible to DCS after having DCS? Um, and, and I guess there's got to be a, a, a psychological part to that. Yeah. Right? A, a fear that it's going to happen again. And does the fear drive the mistake-making again? Because yeah. there's a there's an interference of cognitive thought that makes you m- make the smart decisions. Oh, I think that could be a whole study in and of itself. Yeah, we could actually just keep going <laughs> down down this rabbit hole where, you know, it, it just feeds into itself. But but go ahead. This is why I never eat egg McMuffins before the dive. Because <laughs> last time in egg McMuffin, I got bent. I bent, exactly. I woke up. I got off the left side of the bed. This time I'm getting off the <laughs> I will never do that again. I only had a half a tank of gas in the car as I drove over. I will always have a full tank. Case number one. So we got three cases here that they give us. Case number one, the abusive instructor. I'm not. I am not. Hey, after you're done putting my tanks in the car, why don't you go grab me a coffee? And <laughs> yes, not yes. an egg McMuffin. Yes. Not an egg I'm- McMuffin. <laughs> I'm pretty I'm pretty sure my open water instructor had DCS psychosis. <laughs> <laughs> I think this real is the true essence of crazy eye right here. Abusive instructor. Now, well, commercial school was all military, so they were p- pretty abusive to us. I mean, they were basically the names they called us, everything was just like right out of the book. Well, maybe they were they uh, all were they bent. All were bent. That's Maybe what I'm Maybe they were all bent. They were all pretty nice guys before that. Well, let's see. Uh, let's see what we can conclude from these three cases. Okay. This 32-year-old diving instructor came to our department on September 27, 1989, after having been flown in from Darwin Hospital in a pressurized aircraft. He was agitated, irritable, slow, and vague. I know people had, like that. He had poor short-term memory. He was unstable on his feet. That sounds like me. <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> that sounds exactly like me. That's the 55-year-old me now. <laughs> was it the 25-year-old me or the 35-year-old me? But it's, it's close to the 55-year-old me. The previous April, he began working in the Maldives. He usually dived twice a day, six days a week. The first dive in the morning was to 20 or 30 meters for 50 to 60 minutes. The second dive was about three hours later and could be to 20 meters. He used a Bouchot computer. There you go. Now we know. He used a Bouchot computer. Well, there you go. Case well, case closed. Case closed. All right. So case number two, <laughs> occasionally he had the afternoon off. He drank heavily. He played hard. Wait a minute. 
this not only sounds like me. Is this my story? Are you sure that they changed the Maldives to... <laughs> Wait a minute. This sounds oddly familiar. I have never been to the Maldives. <laughs> but do I have a doppelganger out there? The staff at the resort noticed a slow personality change. He became aggressive and abusive, not only toward the staff, but also to the guests. Fuck him. He was... Sorry He was told to stop drinking Which he did a month prior To his departure from the island Never tell a Navy man to stop drinking Somebody's goddamn business How much they've already had His last dive Was on the morning of the 14th of September He does not know How he finished the dive On ascent he became extremely confused. He remembered falling over in the boat. He was put on a flight to Australia that day. His confusion, hey, his confusion <laughs> worsened, mate. He disembarked at Singapore and stayed there for a week. <laughs> and had a few shrimps on a body. His girlfriend in Darwin reported receiving several distressing phone calls. She said his conversation was bizarre. What are you wearing? What are you wearing? Extremely slow. What are you wearing? What are you wearing? What are you wearing? He finally arrived in Australia on the 22nd of September. Unable to fill his customs declaration, he was strip searched by officials and they suspected drugs. His girlfriend took him to Darwin Hospital, where he was admitted to the psychiatric ward. They were unable to diagnose the problem, as his behavior was unlike anything they had seen. When they finally found out that he had been a diving instructor, they contacted us, and he was flown to Adelaide that day. A lot of flying. A lot, of, fl- yeah. a lot of flying going on for this uh which isn't fellow. helping. Yeah, that's not helping. No. <laughs> right, right. Which is, I think, why I think it's just getting worse and worse exactly. and worse and worse. Seems every time he flies, <laughs> he, he comes out a little wackier. What's the, what could be going on? He's got flight psychosis. Crazy eye. <laughs> I think he's got drugs. Or I think I do an Australian, mate. I got to do an Australian accent. I think he's got drugs and he's wrecked him. <laughs> I have to do a... Strip search. <laughs> Poor bastard. Poor bastard. Right. All he needs is a table six. <laughs> they're, they're giving him the old rubber glove. <laughs> exactly. Right now, mate. That's what you get for drugs, eh? <laughs> I'll give you a shrimp in your bobby, mate. <laughs> <laughs> he received 10 hyperbaric treatments. Yikes. He improved after each treatment, but he was not quite right either. On the 10th of October, he had an acute paranoid psychotic reaction. At a major psychiatric hospital, he underwent a series of investigations, and they concluded that he had a neuropsychological profile that one would expect from a person suffering from hypoxia. Probable cause, DCS. Wow. Follow-up revealed a pleasant fellow, off all medications, and able to return to work. 
he still had a moderate degree of memory deficit. So he went back to diving. Went back to, yeah, eventually went back to diving. I'm curious what the, the long-term result was. But, uh, yeah, it would be uh, interesting to, to go back and uh, uh, see if this abusive instructor uh, stuck with it, you know, long-term post right. that. Right. I'm also curious, you know, was he diving air six days a week, two di- you know, two dives a day, six days a week to 60 feet, whatever. Was he diving? Well, yeah, yeah. Well, they're, they're saying, you know, uh, upwards of 30 meters on dive one oh, every day. Oh, I'm sorry, 30 you know, meters, so, so 90 feet, yeah. Yeah, yeah, 100, 100, 100 feet. 100, 100, 100 foot dives, dives every day. Right. You know, not out of the, the spectrum of of the dive tables by any means, but, but. long term, and uh, especially the way everybody was ascending it on routine back in those days of just exactly. 20 minutes and 30 meters pop to the surface, get out, grab a tank, and get ready for get ready the next for, one. Get ready for yeah. dive two was, was common. Yeah, you, again, you can look at the tables and everything's great. I would be curious what his ascent profile was. I'd be curious if he is on nitrox, if he's on air, uh, what, you know, what's, what's going on there. So anyway, I guess it doesn't really matter, but I think it would give, paint a better picture in the way of going forward and possibly preventing it in me because i see this happening to me <laughs> i i see them locking me up in a in a straight jacket <laughs> son of a bitch it was, it was that open water class <laughs> exactly saturday september 22nd 1998 why can't you just stay off the bottom it's not like I'm asking too much. Well, let's look at case two. Okay. The paranoid father. Ooh, this could be me too. What the <laughs> hell? James, you picked this story on purpose, didn't you? <laughs> this 31-year-old male made a dive to 20 meters with a slow, rapid ascent. A slow, rapid ascent, eh? <laughs> the old slow, rapid ascent. <laughs> It's go up, way, uh, it's go way up better slowly, than the fa- but it's quick. way better than the fast, slow ascent. <laughs> exactly. So when we go up, you guys, we want to go up very slow, but quickly, but just shoot up there. But we want to do it slow. Let me tell you what you don't want to do. <laughs> don't go up fast, really slowly. Be slow, because that's bad. <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> when he surfaced. His symptoms were consistent with a cerebral arterial gas embolism, or cerebral DCS. He was told never to dive again. So he waited for two years and then did four dives over two days. Ah, see? No problem. (laughs) I'm fine. Never. (laughs) (laughs) Reminds me of a story my (laughs) grandfather used to say. Never or no. in, or two years later, go ahead and do four dives. Never, <laughs> never go diving after a cerebral arterial gas embolism unless you wait for two years. <laughs> yeah, none of the dives was deeper than fifteen meters. The bottom times were conservative, and there were no rapid ascents. He surfaced from his last dive to ten meters with symptoms similar to his episode two years earlier. 
he went home, deciding to sweat it out. He slept that night with his bed on blocks to elevate his feet. In the morning, his symptoms were worse. He contacted us. The diagnosis was cerebral DCS. Huh. So, so raise your feet. I'm trying to think of what, <laughs> what you're, you're, you're raising your feet up about. I, uh, well, I mean, there are times when you raise your feet. There are Trendelenburg positions. There's correct, uh, right? Yeah, but, but I'm, if you are possibly suffering a cerebral <laughs> injury, a head injury, you don't push the blood in there. You know, you don't make it. To, you don't increase ICP, intracranial pressure. Listen, when you're self-diagnosing, <laughs> self-medicating. I got, let's see, what, what do is, I got here in my fingers? This is way before <laughs> WebMD, dude. This is 1992. Yes. Raise your feet. <laughs> so I put a C collar on. I had an extra one. I wrapped a towel around my neck because I thought it would help. Yeah. <laughs> put a tourniquet on my neck. He was extremely aggressive and abusive with paranoid overtones. He made remarks like, what are the police divers doing here? Oh, wait, he's Australian. Wait a minute. <laughs> it's another Aussie, eh? What are the police divers doing here? Are they after me? Are they going to put the shrimps in my barbie? <laughs> <laughs> he later said that he could not stop these odd feelings. He had a headache and was very unsteady. There was a short-term memory loss. His treatment was successful to a degree. Follow-up revealed a different person from the one who had been admitted. He was a gentle, caring father. He admitted to having had paranoid feelings and also to having been extremely depressed. He said these feelings took about a month to disappear. He still complains of short-term memory loss, and of being slower than he was before this episode. He will not be diving again. Until two more years. <laughs> He's never diving again until, until two, two years from now. <laughs> and there he will do his rapid, slow ascent. <laughs> Wait no, 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 no. His slow, rapid Rap ascent. I got it mixed up. I almost killed everybody on the boat. <laughs> This is uh, something I tell all of my students. Or none of them. <laughs> Always do a slow, rapid ascent. Oh, no, 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 no. Oh, I, I mean, do a slow, fast ascent. Or, or no, no. Never do, never do a fast, slow ascent. There you go. Now you got it. Always do a slow, fast ascent. You got it? And I never tell all of my students that. Case number three, let's see if this one's still you. Okay. <laughs> the depressed Swede. Oh, that might be Ron. <laughs> the day after a Zoom meeting. <laughs> yeah. All right, well, hey, grab your brine shrimp salad and let's give this one a go. This Swedish tourist was treated at Townsville. She had been diagnosed as having had cerebral DCS. Although successfully treated clinically, she admitted 
not feeling her normal self. She was still slightly depressed and said that this had gradually gotten better over the past couple of months. Hmm. The interview revealed that she had extreme paranoid feelings during treatment and just after. At that time, she did not like being alone because space creatures were going to get her. These creatures had been in a book that she'd been reading before she went diving. That doesn't mean, though, that space creatures aren't actually out there trying to get her. They very well could be. After knowing that uh, (laughs) the secret U.S. government has recently released actual video footage of UFOs, (laughs) knowing what we know 30 years later, (laughs) she may have been onto something. I'm not saying it was UFOs. I'm not saying it was aliens, but it was aliens. <laughs> but I'm not not saying it. <laughs> exactly. Could be aliens. Does that make me paranoid? All right. The conclusion. Clinically closest to what I've described here is puerperal psychosis, a brief psychological disturbance, typically one of depression with confusion and thought disorders. Recovery takes time. Yeah, it's postpartum depression. Exactly. To yeah, a certain like a, degree, yeah. Yeah, like a very similar effect to postpartum depression. To be bent and not recognize it may in fact be an important diagnostic tool for cerebral DCS. The symptoms of DCS, which are obvious to us, may not be of importance to the diver because the various pathological process processes alter perception Hmm. interesting yeah very interesting uh discovery reluctance to seek treatment may actually be part of the disease process due to specific central nervous symptom deficits indeed aggressive abnormal and paranoid behaviors indicate significant cns involvement very cool study out of South Australia. So, do you know any crazy divers, Brando? Yeah, of course I they do. They might just have a cerebral DCS hit and not know it. Interesting. Are huh. they abusive? Yeah. Angry? Oh, yeah. Do they see space aliens? <laughs> yeah. Are you of course still they di- do. <laughs> are you still diving with them? I am him. No. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, there you go, everybody. Um, that is a story out of there's a cockroach in my regulator from uh, from the gang over undercurrent. You have to be crazy to be a diver. And you can still find this book on Amazon and probably other book resources for sale. A nice little uh, like 200 page plus paperback. I might have to add that one to my collection. That's pretty... So far, I've liked the, the stories. They're entertaining and informative. Yeah, they are pretty, uh, they're, they're pretty wild and fun. So, hey, everybody. Do you know a crazy diver? Do you know a psychotic diver? Are they psychotic <laughs> because they're divers? Or did the diving make them psychotic? That's what we're looking at. Do you have a story of... A psychotic scuba diver? You know your buddies James and Brando would love to hear it. Send it over <laughs> to us in our email. 
info at the great dive podcast and on that note that was a good dive <laughs> we did today that was a good dive we did today the dcs must go away oh i got the dcs blues baby the psychotic dcs blues I, I can't tell. <laughs> I say, uh, Muddy Waters, move over, baby. We got the DCS Blues Man in the house. Should we should we sign logbooks? Let's sign logbooks. We haven't signed logbooks in a long time. Dear Jamesy, cheer up. <laughs> All right, let me uh, here. I'll sign your logbook. I'll sign your logbook. What are the police divers doing here? <laughs> Are they are they after me? <laughs> Them and the aliens. <laughs> Safe diving, folks. Safe diving. Bend over, mate. I'll show you a safety stop. <laughs> Gonna put your shrimp in my body. <laughs> put my shrimp in your body. <laughs> Poor Australians are like, fuck these assholes. <laughs>